You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Another good show for you today. We are just going to talk more NCAA tournament, more brackets, some news and notes for you, some more games that I'm actually liking. And the more I look at it, um, I'm probably going to be changing some picks in my actual pool. But just a lot of news and notes for you to go over, and we will get to that momentarily. Now, before we get going on all the good stuff to do with March Madness, can we talk about the fact that <laughs> can, can, can we talk about the fact that the biggest embarrassment when it comes to March Madness this year is the North Carolina Tar Heels, the team that made it all the way to the title game last year and had a 15-point halftime lead and lost the national championship to Kansas, the worst blown lead ever in national championship history, returned every starter except for Brady Manick. All those guys came back because they wanted to win a national championship. Preseason number one team in the nation, and they couldn't even make the fucking tournament. Not talking about making it as a one seed or a t- They didn't even make the tournament this year. That has to be one of the biggest choke jobs ever. Ever. I, I, I can't think of one with that many expectations on a team to fall short like they did and not even make the tournament. And you know what North Carolina did? They're not even going to the NIT. They said, basically, head coach Hubert Davis released a statement, said, we're done. We've got to focus on uh, getting ourselves back to winning an ACC championship and ultimately a national championship. Our season is done. Wow. That is, look, I don't, I, I, I get that the NIT is beneath them. But, wow, what a collapse this year by North Carolina. Way to go, Tar Heels. Something I wanted to talk about in regards to conference play. Now, we know this year, conferences, the bigger conferences, put in a lot of teams. The Big Ten has eight teams in the tournament this year. The SEC has eight teams in the tournament. And the Big 12 has seven. All those conferences, they had a lot of guys just beat up on each other. So... Just because they have a lot of teams in the conference, a lot of teams from the conference in the tournament does not necessarily mean that those conferences are going to dominate. I don't know if you know this, but last year the Big Ten put 10 teams in the NCAA tournament. You know how many of them made it out of the first weekend? Two. Meaning all you had to do is win two games. Making it out of the first weekend means winning your game Thursday, Saturday, or Friday, Sunday. That's it. They had 10 teams, the Big Ten, last year in the tournament, and two of them made it out of the first weekend. The SEC last year put six teams in the tournament. You know how many of their teams, of those six, made it out of the first weekend? One. Your Sweet 16, so after the first weekend, you're down to your Sweet 16. Last year, your Sweet 16 consisted of three ACC teams, three Big 12 teams, two from the Pac-12, two from the Big Ten, two from the Big East, and then one each from the AAC, the SEC, the WCC, and the MAC. So, just because the big names are putting a lot of teams in, we'll see. I mean, maybe this year the Sweet 16 will be overloaded with teams from the Big Ten, SEC, and Big 12, which account for 23 of the 68 teams in the field. We won't know until the games get started, but... There's um, something I want to talk about in regards to Gonzaga. 
They have the longest streak going right now. Seven consecutive years they've made it out of the first weekend. So at least seven years in a row they've made the Sweet 16. And we know that they've got Grand Canyon in the first round. Should they beat Grand Canyon? Of course. But upsets happen all the time. You just never know. If they win that game, they play the winner of TCU. And TCU is playing the winner of the play-in game, Arizona State and Nevada. It doesn't matter. I think TCU beats either one of them. But that TCU-Gonzaga game, what have I been saying about TCU? What did I say a month ago? This is like my quote-unquote sleeper team. And now they're going up against Gonzaga, who I want to win the national championship because I have a 31-to-1 bet on them to win it all. So, And I also have TCU at 31-to-1 to win the national championship. So I, it sucks that one of my one of my teams is getting eliminated in the second round regardless. Could be in the first round. What if TCU and Gonzaga both lose in the first round? We don't know. But Gonzaga has a really good stretch going on right now. And as I said last week, I really think that this could be the fact that this isn't their best team. They've had better teams that have gone farther in the tournament. Remember COVID year. They were undefeated going into the championship game. They could have only been the second team in college basketball history to finish a season undefeated and win the national championship. And they got blown out by Baylor in the title game the year of COVID. They don't, this is probably, I mean, if you were to ask Mark Few, the head coach of Gonzaga, and ask him to be honest, I bet you he'd say this isn't even his top five teams. I'm sure he likes the players, and I'm sure he's loved the way they, they definitely have played better down the stretch. They struggled early on and through early conference season, but they've really seemed to turn it on. It's almost like, I feel like Gonzaga is going to get upset early or they're going to the Final Four. It's one of those things. Kind of the same way I feel about Duke this year. I feel like Duke is either going to lose to Oral Roberts, but if they get through Oral Roberts, they're going to the Final Four. It's like one or the other. I just don't see them going, you know, two games in and then losing. I just, same with Gonzaga. I feel like they don't have as much pressure on them as they had in past seasons where they've been a number one seed. But, man, this Gonzaga team has the ability to beat anybody. But because they don't play as nearly as good a defense as they have in past seasons, they also have the ability to get beat by anybody, especially a team that's athletic and can shoot threes. They will give them fits because their guard play is just not the way it's been the last few years. Just ha- It just isn't. I've watched enough Gonzaga games this year, at least 10, to know that they're good and they can really beat you They led the nation in scoring, so any team that leads the nation in scoring clearly has the ability to beat you in a one-game series. But can they win six in a row? That's the question. I don't really have much of a feel on the play-in games tonight. I don't even. I think the Pittsburgh game is tonight. If you're asking me for a you know who I kind of like in that one, Pittsburgh, Mississippi State. What I do know about Mississippi State is they are the worst three-point shooting team in the nation. They shoot 26% from three-point range. But they also won over 20 games this year. So clearly they know how to play by not hitting threes. It's just a matter of if the other team's hitting threes, math will tell you the other team's probably going to beat them. I do like Pitt in this game. I, I, I watched Mississippi State this weekend, not impressed. Seen them a couple times during the year. One game they won really and looked really good. Another game, they didn't look good at all. So, kind of like Pitt in tonight's game, plus the one and a half, which is basically a pick 'em. 
but I just don't like stats that say we're the worst thing at <laughs> we're the worst team in Division One at something. And three point shooting we know is huge in college basketball. Mississippi State's the worst, twenty six point seven percent. So I'll go with Pitt tonight. The other ones, ASU Nevada, eh. don't really have a feel on that game. And then the two 16 seed games, you know, those teams are just going to be fed to the one seeds. So it really doesn't matter who wins between SEMO, Southeast Missouri State, and Texas A&M Corpus Christi, or Texas Southern and Fairleigh Dick. The Dick. I don't know. But I know that whoever wins between Texas Southern and Fairleigh Dickinson going to lose to Purdue. And whoever wins between... <coughs> Excuse me. The Islanders from AM Corpus Christi and Southeast Missouri State is going to lose to Alabama anyway. Another, and speaking of number one seeds, Purdue as a number one seed in the East, just know that Purdue has not been a one seed since 1996. This is unfamiliar territory for them. They haven't been to a Final Four since the 90s, and there is nothing about this team. Look, I understand they have the player of the year in Zach Eady, and he is a beast. When you're seven foot four, you can pretty much score at will, and he puts up double doubles in his sleep. Problem is, this team cannot handle pressure whatsoever. They have an all freshman backcourt, which scares me come tournament time. And I, in every single one of my four brackets that I filled out, I have them getting beat by Memphis in round two. I just Memphis is way more athletic and can shoot better than and than Purdue. So I have Memphis beating them, and this is just Purdue. I understand why they're a number one. They won one of the best conferences in all of basketball. I get it. But to me, they had a stretch where they lost five of nine games during the middle of the year. I just I don't see them as a Final Four team. I really don't. Um, I wanted to talk about Kansas for a little bit. I think Kansas is a team that – I gave you the stat. There's only been two back-to-back national championship winners in 50 years. Uh, um, not UCLA. Uh, Duke did it in the early 90s, and then Florida did it in the early aughts, 2006 and 2007. So I think just going by that, it would be really dumb of you to put Kansas, unless you're a Jayhawk fan, I get it. You know, you went to Kansas, you're a Jayhawk fan, you want to put them in your bracket. I just, you can't expect to win that way. You, you have to, we, we can't predict who's going to win these things, but it would be very, very surprising. You're going against some really, really hard odds saying that, no, no, I think it's going to happen for only the third time in 50 years that someone's going to win back-to-back. And, you know, Kansas did not look good when they got beat by Texas twice in a week, once when they had Bill Self as their coach and once when they didn't. But he's back for the tournament. But you look at Kansas, they're a number one seed for the 16th time since 1985. So what's that, 15, 38 years, almost almost. Since 1985, almost half the years they've been in the tournament, they've been the number one seed. But this is a team that perennially has underachieved because in 38 years, they've only made at least the Final Four 10 times. You may be like, wow, that's pretty good. Yeah. When you go 38 times, you know, to make it only 10 to at least the Final Four, they made four Final Fours. Three times they lost in the championship game, and three times they were national champions since 1985. When they've been that one seed, the 16 times they were a one seed since 1985, 
Two times they won the national championship and two times they made the final four. So in those 16 times, only four times did they even get to the final four. So that means 12 times they didn't get out of the second weekend. And there's a few first and second round losses in there as a number one seed. Well, second round losses because they've never lost. There's only been one 16 that beat a one. Speaking of 16 to beat a one, that was UMBC over Virginia in 2019. Do you know, sorry, uh, 2018, because then Virginia won it. Did Virginia win it in 2019? When did they win it? Virginia won it all in 20... I'm forgetting which year they won the tournament. Regardless, I think they won it in 2019. Yeah. Anyway. The head coach of that uh, UMBC team, Maryland, Baltimore County, that beat Virginia. The only 16 to beat a one was Ryan Odom, son of Dave Odom, former Wake Forest great head coach who recently passed. Ryan Odom is now the head coach at Utah State, which is a team that's very good, a very good three-point shooting team. They have eight quad two wins this year. There's a reason they are a tournament team, and they are sitting on the 10 line against Missouri, I have them advancing against Missouri in all my brackets as well. So I really like this Utah State team, although they haven't fared well in the tournament in the past. I think they've only won the first-round game once. But I just like this team. Missouri's playing well. I just like Utah State. And we know that 10s beat 7s at least 24 of the last 25 years in the tournament. At least the 10 seed is, At least one 10 seed has won a game. The other game that I did a little more deep dive on and I read some things, and I'm not saying they're going to pull this upset. However, you look at two 15 games, I think only eight or 10 15 seeds have ever beat a two. Colgate and Texas, everyone is just going to immediately put Texas into the next round, which they might very well win. I mean, they're, they're expected to. They're a 13.5-point favorite over Colgate. But I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Don't sleep on Colgate. I didn't think they'd be a 15. I thought maybe they could get to the 14. They are a very live 15 seed. And when I say that, I can tell you they lead the nation in three-point shooting. So anytime that you are that good at something, you have the ability to upset someone in the tournament. I'm not saying they're going to beat Texas, but 13 and a half is a hell of a lot of points. And... Texas has a lot of pressure on them because, number one, they've never really fared well in the tournament. You know why? Because Rick Barnes was their coach for a long time, and we know his track record. They have a first-year coach who took over midseason, not saying that they can't overcome adversity because they just won the Big 12 tournament with this first-year coach. I'm just saying I really like Colgate plus the points. And if they pull off the upset, I'm just saying – they have they have something in their in their deck of cards, which is we're the best three point shooting team in the nation. So maybe Texas will shut that down. We shall see. But thirteen and a half, I'll take it. By the way, my picks are in. I told you them yesterday, but they're in my column today on RealitySteve.com. If you want to check them out, man, I was on a great run 
from 2017, right? I started doing giving out picks in 2017, yeah. And then there was no uh, tournament in 2020 because of COVID, and I gave out two picks in 2021. So I was 5-0 and going into last year, and I went 0-2. Picked two, picked two small dogs, South Dakota State plus two and Virginia Tech plus one. They both lost by under 10 points. Close games. They both had a chance, but um, as I explained in my column today, I know most gambling people will tell you never tease basketball games because there's too many points scored. I don't care. If I think the game's going to be close, I hate getting beat on free throws at the end. But if I'm getting an extra eight points, which you can get on a three-team eight-point teaser, do it. <laughs> um, so any any pick that I give out, I'm telling you as well to put in to a combination of a three-team eight-point teaser because the two picks that I gave out last year, South Dakota State and Virginia Tech, both lost. And then I gave out four other picks that I was also looking at, ended up betting them myself. If you take all those six picks and you tease them the eight points, they were 6-0. and oh. All of them covered an eight-point tease. So they went 3-3 three and three overall, just betting them on the spread. But all of them covered an eight-point tease. So keep that in mind. 6-0. and oh. And I'm going to do it again. The two picks I gave yesterday, in case you didn't hear yesterday's and you don't can't get to the website today, uh, realitysteve.com, the two picks I have this year, Furman plus 5.5 over Virginia and a bonus pick of Kent State plus 4 over Indiana. I will have you note that when I made my picks from 2017 to 2021, twice I bet against Virginia in round one and won both of them. 2017, my pick was UNC Wilmington plus 8.5 over Virginia. They lost by five, but they covered uh, because they were getting eight and a half. And then in 2021, I bet Ohio plus seven against Virginia, and they won outright, 72-68. And by the time that game tipped off, that line was down to four and a half. When I gave the number out, it was on you know, Monday or Tuesday. I remember getting to Las Vegas and putting that bet in, and I was like, geez, it's already down to four and a half. So we'll see. Furman has line hasn't moved, actually. It's been at five and a half. It's still at five and a half. So – I'll take it. I really think they're going to beat that. I think they're going to win outright. I think they're beating Virginia. I'm going to bet it that way. I'm going to bet them plus five and a half. I'm going to tease them to plus 13 and a half. I'm all in on Furman and I'm all in on Kent State. Both of them plus the points, money line, teaser. And one of the things I want to point out about Kent State is you'd be like, well, who have they played? I can tell you this. They were in close games with both Houston and Gonzaga. Houston is a number one seed. They lost to them by five earlier this year. Gonzaga, they were beating, I believe, with five minutes left in the game. They ended up losing by seven to Gonzaga. So this Kent State team is legit. I absolutely think they could beat Indiana, who lost by 30 in the tournament last year to St. Mary's. So keep that in mind. Obviously, anything can happen. Anybody can lose on any given day. You never know. These teams could just have a horrible shooting day, somebody can get injured, somebody can get in foul trouble, whatever the case may be. I'm just laying out facts here that I think Kent State, being a 13 seed, only being a four-point underdog to a four seed, I mean, it's crazy because I was talking to this, I was talking with this today with Josh Mooney, who was my guest on Friday's podcast, and it's like back in the day, in the 90s, when the brackets came out and the lines came out for these games, when you're looking at 4-13, 5-12, you would never find a line under 8, 10 points. 
because back in those days, you know, the, you didn't have these one and dones. These powerhouses, for the most part, are retooling every year, and they're losing players to the NBA after one year. These mid majors, they're not losing anybody now. Maybe with the transfer portal, they're losing them to other teams, but you know, a team like Kent State, who had a lot of their players come back from last year's team that made it to the MAC championship game and lost to Toledo. Or not, they didn't lose to Toledo. They lost to uh, Akron. They had a lot of guys come back. Same reason I love Furman. Furman had that devastating loss to Tennessee Chattanooga in the championship game on the 40-foot heave, and those guys came back for a fifth year because they wanted to get to the tournament. Two five-year seniors are your best players for Furman. I love that. Virginia lost players off last year's team. I don't love that. And I just... That's why you don't see the line so crazy. You're like, oh, my gosh. A four seed is minus four against a 13 seed. Furman, also a 13 seed, only plus five and a half against Virginia. Vegas knows what they're doing. And the fact that these lines are so low makes me think that Vegas knows these games are going to be competitive, which that's why I love adding teasers onto this. I love adding eight points because even if Furman loses – I don't think they're losing by 14 or more. So at least I cover my T's. You know? Same with Kent. I don't think they're losing by 12 or more. I just don't. But, again, we shall see. And the last point I want to make is, you know, the underlying story about this whole tournament. I'd say the underlying story, but one of the biggest stories is Brandon Miller, the best player on the number one overall seed. You know, we've talked about this numerous times, and it's just a bizarre thing because Alabama is the first time ever being a number one seed in the NCAA tournament and they're the number one overall seed. And yet, you look at it from the outside, there is somebody dead because the best player on this Alabama team provided a gun to a guy, two guys, and one of them ended up committing capital murder, and they are up for capital murder but yet the Alabama guy who delivered the gun is playing this weekend and playing next weekend and playing in this tournament. And it's like, what do you do? He hasn't been charged with anything. I mean, look, he's playing in the tournament. I mean, we've, we've already been over this. They're not stopping anything at this point. He's playing in the tournament. But, man, at the end of all this, what if Alabama's cutting the nets down, which a lot of – talking heads in the college basketball world think it's going to happen, that they're going to win the national championship this year. You got to have mixed emotions, right? Like you're happy for them. Congratulations, Alabama. You won a basketball title, but is blood on your hands because of it? I'm so torn on this case because I understand that Brandon has not been arrested, so you can't just sit him down. He hasn't been charged with anything. The DA has basically said, we can't we can't charge him with anything. He had a gun in his car that he delivered, and it's just like, and it was at 1.30 in the morning. It's like, okay, like there's just so many semantics. I think we're going to end up finding out more. I think what's really going to suck is if Alabama does go on to win the national championship, and then afterwards we find out even more and Brandon Miller was more involved than we thought, then it's like, okay, well, Alabama knew this, and they were hiding it because they didn't want to bench their guy. And look, we all know if this was the 10th man on the team, he'd be gone. He would have been gone a month ago when this story broke. 
He's the best player on the best team on the number one overall seed in the tournament. That's why he's playing. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. It just sucks because someone is dead. Someone who's dead who also has a child. And that child is now motherless because of a stupid decision made by Brandon Miller. But he didn't touch the gun. He never fired the gun. He was just there. He was an accomplice to capital murder. How about this? How about just Alabama not win the whole thing so we don't have to talk about this? Like, uh, sorry, Bama, I'm cheering against you. I just don't want to have to have this conversation on April 3rd. That, holy shit, Alabama won it all. And man, are they going to, there's just going to be a lot of people that aren't happy. And, and rightfully so. And rightfully so. You know another reason that they won't be happy because of it? Did you see what some of the jerk-off Alabama fans were wearing to the SEC tournament this year, this weekend? A shirt that says, killing our way through the SEC. Somebody found them, pointed it out, told a guy who was wearing a Go Bama shirt, and on the back it said, killing our way through the SEC got confronted about it at the SEC tournament, and that guy wearing the shirt told that person to get the fuck out of his face. Well, that made the news on Twitter. It started making the rounds, and then I guess by Sunday, they said anybody wearing one of these Alabama shirts is not allowed in the building. Gee, you think? That's what I mean. When Alabama fans aren't taking this seriously, that pisses people off, pisses me off. This jerk off. I, I'm looking at the Twitter, uh, the tweet right now. Of this guy. Somebody took a picture of this guy with his Alabama visor and on the back of the shirt, right there, killing our way through the SEC in 22. I mean, how insensitive do you have to be to wear that shirt to the SEC tournament? You know what's going on. What a. I hope he's. I hope he's banned from all Alabama games going forward. Really, I do. Anyway, thank you all for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. Much appreciated. I will be back tomorrow with even more NCAA tournament talk, maybe even some more plays that I dive into, and maybe I'll actually pick a favorite (laughs) to cover a game in the round one on Thursday or Friday. But don't count on it. I love betting dogs. There's more money to be made on dogs, especially on money lines. Anyway, thank you all for tuning in. Really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.